I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! He's the fastest man on the planet. He did up there, rabbits. This is more beer than I can't wait. I can't wait. What about Andrew King? Put him in the sack. Well, round 19 has come and gone. It seems like this year is going by faster than ever, and my my results are spiraling out of control. I'm joined by a man this week, though, whose results uh, this week were were pretty good. Kane Anderson, aka Dr. Uh, Kando. How are you going, mate? I'm good, mate. And yourself? Very, very good, mate. Uh, New to the, I guess, community, but been lingering for a long time, but uh, I've slowly popped your head out this year. How are you finding, obviously, running... The pretty infamous uh, Turbo Hemi Cup. Yeah, it's good. I'm enjoying it. I, I've been around in the community, mostly just uh, sort of social media postings and answering questions and stuff online. But yeah, a bit more active this year, which has been interesting. And a few more uh, podcast appearances and that sort of thing, which has been nice as well. Plenty of big egos getting around in that uh, in that group. There's obviously a lot of bragging rights to, to happen. And uh, as someone that doesn't have an affiliated podcast in yourself, it'd be... I guess good recognition for you to take it out. And you're putting yourself in a pretty good position. I think you're floating in and around that sort of 6th, 7th, 8th spot. So, string together a couple of wins and you'll be definitely right in there. Yeah, well, I'm just sitting outside the top 1,000 mark. So, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I had a few pretty bad weeks going through there. So, I'm climbing back from a, a 3,500 drop on one of the buy rounds. Um But yeah, about 1,600 and I've got 14.05 this week. So, I'm looking at a... a Slight green arrow, I hope. Yeah, I was just going to touch on your score this week. Obviously, a fair few 75-plus scores. There is a couple of uh, negatives. Ruben Garrick, which wouldn't be too much of a big sink, considering a lot of those top teams do have him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, persist, you persisted with Jaden Braley. Obviously, Sean Johnson stays well. It looked like he was set to have a huge round. And Jesse Ramian just seems to be sort of uh, floating around teams. It doesn't score too great. But a 47 with no real attacking stats, you'll take that. Yeah, for sure. And, and look, with Braley, I've got... Harry Grant's sitting on my bench and he's been there for about uh, nine weeks or so. So it, it's been a bit of a, a painful ride and I'm praying and praying that he's back next week. We do see the 97 of Joe Manu on the bench. That's got a sting to look back in hindsight. It does a little bit, but look, it, it made sense. He was back to playing centre. He hadn't scored above 70-odd playing centre all season. So I was... Fairly comfortable with that decision, but obviously, it, hindsight does hurt. Yeah, it's uh, that's that's one thing I've I've quickly learned from running a page slash uh, podcast. People don't care about hindsight; they they just care about the results. Mate, first game of the round, Eels going down to the Raiders, ten to twelve. Uh, I thought this one would be a closer game than people would suspect, and the Raiders took out the Chockies. No <clears> Mitch <throat> Moses. I know he's a popular target for people to put criticism on, but I think he controls his Parramatta side really well. And without him, they do look like they're struggling a little bit. Yeah, definitely, they were. Definitely not at their peak. They had a few issues going along there, and the Raiders' defence was really good. They were coming off the line really quickly, putting a lot of pressure on them, and they just couldn't get out of first gear. It was a good performance from the Raiders. For Parramatta, though, it was the star-back rowers, Isaiah Papali'i, owned by over half of the teams in Supercoach, and Ryan Madison looks to be back to his best. Uh, were you on the Maddo train? Did you sell him? Do you have him? No, I have... I had him to start the year and I sold him when he got his concussion and I never got him back. Uh, I didn't get him back throughout the buy, which didn't really hurt me too much through that period, thankfully, but he's had a few good scores back to back now. Um, but look, it would have been borderline if I played him, if I had him throughout all that time anyway. So, you know, it's not really hurting me too much. Yeah, look, we'll talk a little bit a little bit about strategy, nothing too in detail, but just so I guess the people know if I prompt you for trade questions or whatnot, how many trades do you have left um, <laughs> coming into next round? Two. Two, okay. So you're, pre- you're pretty limited as to what you can and can't do. Exactly. Yeah, so Matt- Matto is probably not someone to target. If you have five 
or more trades, I'd, I'd probably look at bringing him back in. If he's playing 70-plus minutes, he's putting out those scores we know he's best at. Uh, Maddo playing big minutes is definitely someone to have for the run home. He's one of those uh, back rollers that has really good attacking stats, but the parameter draw is pretty horrific. I'm not too sure where he sort of lies from that, but 72 pretty much all in base. You can't turn your nose up at that. Yeah, exactly. And their draw being difficult is not necessarily a terrible thing for Maddo. He's going to get the bigger minutes during those tougher games and his core work is through his base. He's He's hit up some tackles and a couple of offloads here and there, and he'll get his 70 points. So he's a solid pick. He's definitely someone that you could run home with. You don't have to worry about trading him out or anything like that going forward. But if you were looking to trade someone in, it would depend on who you had in your back row already. If you had yeah. three solid back rowers playing already, are you going to put a reserve on Meadow when you could put a reserve on on a, another half that might go 150? Well, that's, that's, that's the issue. I think if people have Tohu, we, uh, Sav, Savs and I touched on this last week. If you have Tohu, there, there is quite a few opportunities out there. We'll, we'll touch on some of them today. I mean, you, you mentioned selling selling options. If you own Clint Gutherson, I think this is the last week you can viably have him with that parameter draw. Yeah, for sure. There, there's quite a few options popping up. And who will Parramatta got next week? It's a tough game next week, isn't it? I think their run home includes Manly. Oh, they've got Roosters the, next week. So it's not terrible. I think, I think they have Manly Roosters, uh, Storm, Panthers. Like They have a pretty gross draw. It's pretty gross. Uh, the, the issue with the fullbacks at the moment is Teddy's had one good game in a row, but is it going to be more than one? Pat didn't look very flash uh, throughout the weekend on his little stint. Ponga, who knows what he's going to put out from week to week. He's had... Sternum injury on the weekend as well, so... Latrell they, goes in and out of games, can go missing, can go for a 15. Exactly. I mean, a guy that I'm very high on, Reese Walsh. Uh, so for me, this, I'd, this, I'd just this hold round was going to be a struggle. If I had Gutho at the moment, I would just hold him for another week and just assess the situation with the other fullbacks. Yeah, just, just see when one of the other fullbacks week. sort of come to, come to fruition, if, if they're going to cement their spot as uh, another gun. Exactly. Like If Tedesco comes out and carves the eels, then I'm not going to tell anyone to not pick Tedesco going forward. Yeah. I mean, we see Fergo come back in. A lot of teams... I've seen a lot of teams still have Fergo, surprisingly, considering how much he was on the bench. A 50 with attacking stats, I'd move him on. Um, from the Eels, there's really not many other options I'd be looking at. Uh, Nathan Brown's put out a couple of okay scores, but not in that echelon of t- uh, two RFs he want coming home. Um, yep. For the Raiders, though, mate, Savs and I touched on Jordan Rapiner being a, a bit of a pot option. Then he was named at fullback this week, which improved his stocks even more. Scored a 97 on the weekend. And looked really good with the ball. Looked really damaging through the middle. Uh, played similar to Tedesco in that sort of style that he moves across the field waiting for things to open up. And it uh, really worked out for the Raiders. And he, he put out 97 with a set, with a side that only scored 12 points. Yeah, yeah, he was busy. Uh, he, he looks pretty good when he gets to fullback in terms of involvement. How many tries and try assists and what he's going to get from that position, I'm not really sure because Canberra don't usually use their fullbacks too well. And then you... Also got to look at their last four games. In the last four games, they've got Melbourne, Manly, and the Warriors in between, and then the Roosters to finish the season. So that's a pretty it'd be, yeah, it'd be a strictly head-to-head thing, I, I think, with with Rafana. Um, you mentioned the the Raiders fullbacks, and and I know that all to that well. Bailey Simonson went off for 130 in his first game at fullback. I jumped the bullet board him, and it went downhill ever since. Yeah, uh, Matt sure. Corey had a Wiranara. Uh, a lot of teams have him. A lot of teams were worried about him and his output, but uh, a fantastic game last week and a quietly good one this week with 88. Yeah, he's doing well. He, his offload is going nuts at the moment, which is obviously good to see. And uh, his attacking stats are always just around the corner. Uh, Joe Tarpney had, I think, about 50 tackles and uh, about 18 hit-ups, pretty much all in base. The problem with him is getting the minutes. Hudson Young is going yep. to be competing with Elliot Whitehead when he comes back. Um, look, the only saving grace for the Raiders moving forward is I really want to see Tom Stalling start. Um, hopefully, and that's, that, that's a move for sort of next year more than anything. But I think they've got a good cohesive um, side. Uh, a side that isn't really cohesive right now, the Knights 8, the Roosters 28. Uh, with the first half that the Knights had, they had the wind at their back. Um, they didn't really use it the best, and the second half kicking was poor, and the Roosters came over the top with Teddy with a 146, as you said. Uh, yep. Cecilia Tupinu with a 125. Joey Marnie with a 97. Uh, Victor Radley, a guy that I've been pretty high on, 86. I think he helps Teddy massively, mate. Yeah, for sure. He controls that middle really well and gives... Teddy the space to not have to be around the ruck all the time. He can actually get out a bit wider and 
and play a bit wider and attack those edges a bit more, which is obviously better for his game and then better for his assists and better for Tupo, better for um, other winger. Um, Ikebalo. He's, yeah, he's now out, unfortunately. He had a... Yes, well, he had a pretty rough weekend himself with only 23. But, um, yeah, it's a lot better for the edges having Radley in the middle. Yeah, you mentioned Tupo, and, and for owners that brought him in, I think the hype surrounding Tupo uh, was probably four or five weeks ago. A lot of people were bringing him in, and people may have jumped on the train. He's been knocking down the door, getting 50s in base with no real uh, threat for attack. We saw it this weekend. He got an 80. With Matt Ikevalo going down, Joseph Sawali uh, being out of the bubble, I'm not too sure who they're going to bring in with Billy Smith going down as well. I think this opens up the opportunity for Tupo and the attack that he's going to get huge. Yeah, well, I think it's going to help with his base stats. If they're bringing in a rookie to go and play on the wing, then you've got to imagine that they're not going to be having 20 hit-ups in the game or even 15 for that matter. Ikebalu was having quite a few. So you think that Tupo will probably be taking up a little bit more of that slack and having a hit-up pretty much every set. So... Yeah, it, it's not too bad news for Tupo. It'll be an interesting watch to see how they line up on that right edge. They could potentially bring um, Morris back into centre and put Manu on the wing going forward. Yeah, well, Manu, Manu worked well uh, for the time that he filled in on the weekend. Um, which would be great for, for Manu as well. Yeah, definitely, which, which obviously got his attack up huge. Um, for the Knights, mate, Jacob Saifedi bagged a try. Pretty happy to discount the score of 87. It's a bit of an outlier. He has started, has played some good footy. I don't think it's translated too huge into Supercoach. Um, but uh, a revitalised Connor Watson um, floating around, being very versatile, got a 73 on the weekend. If you've held him, uh, yeah, pretty pretty good signs moving forward. Yeah, he's done well. He's been really consistent. As much as people have been looking for a way to get rid of him for all this time, he, his role is all over the place, but his scores are always there and thereabouts. He's doing a, a good job for what he's been given. Uh, Tyson Frizzell was a huge um, talking point this week. The the big break even put a lot of people off waiting for next week, but 54 pretty much with no attacking stats. Are we yeah. happy with that, or do you want to see more? Obviously, you see guys like Ryan Madison put out 70. Or do you want to see from more from Frizzell? Are you happy with uh, the 54 um, knowing the attacking upside that he possesses, especially with the Knights' run home? I, I do like the potential for Frizzell going forward. Uh, he had 36 tackles and only 11 hit-ups. So, so 11's not too bad for an edge. And 36 tackles is good. So that's that's a solid floor to have. If you're going to get 54 in floor without... Well, he had one offload. So with the run that they've got, he's going to have a lot of those attacking opportunities. And I, I think he's a good sideways move instead of getting your Madison that you, you were talking about before to get Frizzell instead, who's got a better run home, who could jag a few more attacking stats, and he's guaranteed 80 minutes. Also, Mitch Pierce is uh, a big um, inclusion for the Knights when he comes back. Uh, yep. Brayley with a 52, Barnett with a 51. Both those guys have fallen off a cliff. No need to sort of really touch on those. Uh, Kalen Ponga only with a 50. Has lost a goal kicking, which... Look, I had him as the number two fullback option for the run home, but the <laughs> fact that there's no goal kicking for KP uh, really does worry me. Uh, I'll be honest, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of him as what I once was. What are your stances on him? Obviously, carrying that sternum injury as well. As someone who has owned Ponga as the number one pick in two of my three drafts, I'm, I'm a bit disappointed. <laughs> he uh, Losing the goal kicking is definitely a problem. That That's taking... Oh, well, he wasn't always the best goal kicker, but you could... I'd say it's a same 10 game, points at least. At, at yeah, least ten, 10 points. 10, uh, 14, maybe. But, yeah, that that's a good chunk of points. That takes his 50 to 64, and that looks a lot more respectable, doesn't it? Oh, exactly. And that was uh, the point I made with Gutho, with, with how long Mish Moses is out for. That takes Gutho from a from an 80 average to a 95 if he kicks well. Like It's it's a huge thing, and people maybe not taking too much stock into it, but does have that uh, sternum injury. Didn't look off the... Didn't look on it, really. I think they might struggle with him um, not there. And as I said, Mitch Pierce will come back and help, but the goal-kicking from Clifford, I think, it really changed it. Mate, what a game this was. The Cowboys 16, the Storm 20. Who saw this coming? I certainly didn't. <laughs> I was expecting a bit of a bloodbath, to be honest. After uh, Jake Granville named at fullback as well? Yes, well, that didn't instill any confidence for the Cowboys' prospects, no. But he uh, he played well. He, obviously, 60 points in Supercoach, uh, was dotted of, a, of some attacking stats as well. Um, I thought he did an okay job in, in with, under all the circumstances. Yeah, so he did surprisingly well. I was very surprised that he 
kind of positionally wasn't too bad. His linking sweet play was pretty good. He had a try assist going down that left edge at one point, which looked pretty slick. Yeah, it was good. Unfortunately for a lot of people, they were sucked into Tamalolo. Uh, what's going on with his supercoach career? Todd Payton's just put it through the uh, the absolute ringer. He has, uh, but his minutes have been pretty good still. As much as we've looked at his output and seeing the scores and saying he's lost it and that's all the coach, his actual base stats have dropped. His points per minute have dropped as well. So whether yeah, I think the he's coach, on, I think he's only he's only lost. Three or four minutes a game, um, but it's yeah, it's what it's what he's doing in those minutes that I think is the big troubling sign, as you touched on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know whether it's a directive from the coach that he's not to have the mo- like more runs than everyone else all the time. Whether he wants the the load spread more or something like that, because Tomalola has been able to miss a few tackles late in the game and that sort of thing. And when he's having two hundred and fifty meter run games, when the next highest forward is running 110, then you can see why he's going to miss a tackle at the end of a game. So whether it's a directive from the coach saying, I want to spread that load a little bit more, I want you to be making sure that you're making your tackles and that sort of thing, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it hasn't translated to winning footy either, so it's not like uh, Todd Payton's reinvented the wheel here. If the Cowboys were on um, some big tear and they were coming fifth or sixth, you could potentially look at it, uh, but they're still struggling. I mean... AJ going down last week, obviously one of the form center wings of the Supercoach. A lot of people were struggling where to go. There was a fair bit of talk around Josh Adokar, a similar player playing on the left-hand side of a, of a team that, that strikes well, that has a pretty low base, but a high ceiling. Uh, you got 93 out of Adokar this week. Looks like a pretty solid replacement for AJ, the people that went that way. Yeah, I'm all for it. We're, this is the season for going for ceilings, and the, the Storm are scoring points for fun. So... If you can get a winger that's playing on the, on an edge for the Storm, you go for it. Well, partnered up with Justin Ollum as well, who's had um, a very, very good year. Maybe he hasn't translated to Supercoach all that well, but Justin Ollum was playing some of the best footy um, I've seen him play the last couple of years. He pumped out a 68. Uh, Jerome Hughes, for some reason, I don't know if it's a mentality thing, but I just can't get around Jerome Hughes. I just Every time I look at getting him, it's the week that he goes like sub-30, but the weeks I don't look at him, it's when he goes huge. Um, you're a Hughes owner yourself, aren't you? Yes, I, I do have Hughes. And I'm definitely a happy owner. I sold Sam Walker for Hughes. Uh, well, it was quite a while ago now. So, yeah, I've been pretty happy with that trade. It must have been before the first buy. Yeah, anyway. But yeah, I've been probably, happy probably with that some trade. buy planning happening there. Yeah, he, he's doing super well. That's right, because it was a, a choice between going up from Walker to Hughes or down from Walker to Burton like everyone else did. And I would, was going to be happier keeping Hughes for the season than I would have been keeping Burton for the season. So that's why I went Yeah, I think that. I have the exact same dilemma. I think I went Burton. I'm, I'm not I'm not um, upset with that. Every time I've played Burton, he's done well. Um, I specifically remember the game um, for the for the bye week. For, sorry, for the follow-up week. Uh, he's got 130 on and that was, that was nice. Obviously, he didn't do too well this week. But I think if you went either way, um, Hughes probably was slightly better. Um, but you have to work out whether the money uh, tied up. Nico Hines, yep. now this is probably the biggest talking point of the round. Ryan Pappenhausen came back in, didn't look great. What do you think happens with this Melbourne side? Do you think Bellamy just keeps what's been working? <clears throat> I have absolutely no idea what he's going to do. I'm, I'm wondering whether they actually go with both Grant and a Pap or a Hines, whoever starts or doesn't start on the bench. So one of the, the two of the, those utility players on the bench... And then Grant will come on after 20 minutes or so and play the last 60. And then Smith goes into the forward rotation and then you've got the Pappenheins flick around. They can play wherever they want to play sort of thing. So if that happens, that's probably the best case super coach wise for all of them because they all still get a game. Well, I think think at this point of the season, if Hines does move to some kind of roaming centre role. You just keep him. I, I understand you're going to lose a lot of cash, but with the lack of trades people have and the fact that he can still put out an output um, of 85, look, I watched this game. It did look like Hines did a, a huge amount, but looks like he's kept the goal kicking as well, which is a big tick, as we touched on with Callum Pongo. That adds, um, for the Storm goal kicker, it adds even more. I would say it adds another 20 to 25 points with how many points they're putting up each week. Um, they're averaging, what, eight, nine tries a game. So, yeah, I think that's huge, and... and 
Nico Hines is definitely uh, not hand, not bad off the tee, so that's going to add a, a fair bit of points to him. And I think you, you just hold. And yeah, you understand that the price drop's coming, but yeah, I would just hold him. Yeah, well, for now, until we find out definitively whether his role's going to change dramatically, if he goes back to that bench role and is playing 20 minutes, then look, he's, you've just got to get rid of him. Yeah, if you've got different, different story. But if, he, if he's going to if he's going to start at fullback, move into that Tom Trebojevich mold in Origin, just roam around, do whatever he wants. Yep. You just hold him and hope for the best. Um, the Rabbitohs, 60. The Warriors, 22. When you see a side score 60 points, you expect a lot of them to have uh, tons. There was one score of 99 and five scores over 100. Not a bad time to uh, own and play Damien Cook, was it? Yes. Well, unfortunately, uh, I was up against Addo in our head-to-heads, and he had Damien Cook, and I had Jaden Braley. <laughs> yes. Of our Always, it's, three uh, unique that, players. That, that speaks for itself, really, that, that head-to-head matchup. Yeah, that was literally the match gone. It, everything else was pretty balanced. We only had three uniques. The other two uniques were even-even, and then Cook versus Braley, and I got When you've smoked. only got three uniques and one of them scores 150, it's very, very hard to make up ground. Um, we touched on the replacements for Tohu Harris. We brought up Brian Madison. We brought <clears> up uh, Tyson Frizzell. And we talked about high ceiling, and, and there's definitely some big ceiling in Cam Murray. Yeah, he's killing me. I... I I, I I can see the appeal, and he's very busy, but his role just changes so much. And he get he's the guy that gets shifted out wide. He's the one that go, will go and play center to go and plug a hole. I, it just scares me. I just can't pull the trigger on Cameron Murray. He yeah, was it's, pretty it's, disappointing. It's one of those things. But I guess if you well. if if you look at the base stats, him and Frizzell actually average the same in base. They both average fifty one, uh, and and Frizzell does pip him on averages by. Uh, a point that was pre this round, so that's going to change yeah. with Cam Murray's big score. Of course, um, but he does he does churn through work. But I know what you mean. That can definitely all it takes is one injury, and Cam Murray shifts to the back row. Jai Arrow comes into the middle, and it just sort of throws everything out of whack. Exactly. Um, Josh Mansell, look, not so much a classic, but if you have AJ in your draft teams, definitely a good handcuff. He uh, pumped at eighty on that left hand side. Mate, I haven't played a game of grade footy in about five years, but I think I could score a try on the left-hand side of that Parramatta team. You see oh, all these big scores, yeah. though, and you look at Cody Walker's 84, and it's a little bit deflating, isn't it? Yeah, well, if you can play, pick someone that's playing on the left wing for the Bunnies, then you're going to get points. It's as simple as that, really. The The number of tries AJ has scored is crazy, but when you look at it, realistically, he, he's been untouched for 90% of them. Oh yeah, it's 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 not it's not an AJ masterclass. He's had some some good put downs and whatnot, put downs that Mansell probably couldn't do. Um, but it's not like AJ's created stuff for him. He's had a, a couple of nice try assists, but yeah, the the actual tries themselves they've been laid on by Cody Walker, thick and thin. Yeah, for sure. And watching Cody Walker swing from left to right to left to right is amazing. I, I love watching him play both edges. It's like he's playing the fullback role, and Latrell's kind of just sitting out the back and waiting for something else to happen. Yeah, it looks like Luttrell is just sort of injecting himself when he wants to, similar to how he played in Origin. And um, I think Luttrell's best asset is his ball playing. I think he's a phenomenal ball player, but um, he did do some pretty special things on the weekend. And look, it probably didn't translate as what we... If you watched that game, I thought Luttrell would have gone huge. He did go 108, which is still very, very good. Uh, but it's one of those... I think it's a Clint Gustin effect. You look at him and think, oh, he must have gone massive. But he, he does chime in, in and out, and that... That is the problem. Yeah. Some weeks for Latrell, it's 108. The next, it's 18. So I guess that's the, the biggest thing for them. Well, for the Warriors... Of, when he comes sorry. in, he, he makes a difference. You notice him whenever he gets in the play, and that's why you always oh, definitely, feel like yeah. he scores when more he than does, he gets. When he does chime himself in, you know something's going to happen. Exactly. Uh, but it's, it's the problem of, of when he's going to do that. Uh, for the Warriors, mate, there isn't a whole lot here to talk about. Cody Nicarima um, got a 58. That was, I think, a pretty lucky 58. I think he chimed up in the middle with a line break. Yeah. Uh, but apart from that, it was pretty tough watching... Four Warriors fans, Adam Fnall Blake, Matt Lodge didn't uh, relive the form they showed last week. Adam Fnall Blake looks like he could be out for the season, which is a huge blow for owners. Yeah, well, it depends on what the injury is. I haven't seen any confirmation yet, but if it, it whatever happened, it broke the skin. So if it was just a dislocation that's broken the skin, then you're only looking at a, a week or two. It's more about wound management and making sure it doesn't get infected and that sort of thing. But if there's a break then you're looking at a, a lot longer, sort of the, the four to eight week mark, which is pretty much the end of the season. So there'll be a few owners sweating on that news. 
yeah, fingers crossed just for footy fans that it is only this location. Um, look, he's not highly owned, but he's in my side, and a lot of people are giving me shit for owning him and uh, me putting them onto them. Reese Walsh is good at 34. <laughs> but, I mean, look, Reese Walsh was never going to score fantastic against the Rabbitohs. You, you bring him in for the run they've got home. Apart from the Knights, I think the Warriors have the second best run home, and he's goal kicking. Uh, I think when RTS comes back in, that's going to help him relieve a lot of pressure, too. He did make a lot of uh, errors based on kicking. I think Chad Townsend and Cody Nikarima both need to stand up and, and take more responsibility in the kicking role and not leave it on the shoulders of an 18-year-old. I'm not too worried uh, as a Reese Walsh owner. Moving forward, I think he's got a pretty um, good role and a good chance to go huge. Uh, the Seagulls taking on the Tigers, 44-24. This was a bit of a letdown for Tom Travojevic, wasn't it? Oh, it was. We were all expecting a, a pretty big score from him. And, and look, in the past, any other year, if your captain got 87, then you're going, okay, I'm pretty satisfied with that. That's not too bad. But the way this year is and the way he's scoring this year and then also watching Cherry Evans pump out a 172, it, it is a little bit underwhelming. And, uh, yeah, Morgan Harver as well, big beneficiary, 41. Uh, 141, sorry. Um, you did touch on Tom Dravoyevich, mate. It wasn't even 18 months ago that um, I would stick the captaincy on Payne Haas and just get 75 and be over the moon with that. Now, yep. as you said, he, he gets an, Tom Dravoyevich gets an 87, and we're all sitting there going, oh, like, that's a it's a bit shit. And it's yeah, just, it's, it's, it's the standards he set What's going on here? Yeah, it's the standards that he set for himself, unfortunately. Um, Josh Schuster, a guy that I never got behind just because I didn't like the fact that he was at 5'8". And I think at the time, I owned Connor Watson and I owned Matt Moylan when he sort of burst onto the scene. And both those guys were going fine. I never pulled the pin on Schuster, but a bit of a cult hero in the Supercoach world. And it was it was tough watching until he got the ball. Like, that was the obvious thing. He needed the ball to sort of create something out of nothing, and he did. Uh, 64, um, you got to be happy with that as an owner. Yeah, 64 is a solid score. I was considering actually moving him on to Dewey at one point, but then with AJ being gone and who knows how long for and who knows how he comes back from his recovery, whether that impacts performance and that sort of thing. So I, I pulled the pin on AJ and went to Dewey that way. So I'll be holding Schuster for the moment. I've only got two trades left, so I, I may end up with... Uh, Walker and Schuster at 5'8 for the rest of the year and I might end up being stuck with just Turbo and Dewey at fullback but uh, we'll, we'll see how we go getting closer and see if I can save a couple of trades for some luxury fullback movement yeah definitely worse options with how good the Tigers draw coming home is exactly. um, mate, I never got behind Hamwell Olakowatsu I didn't really get into the hype it was a lot of attacking stats but he did pump out 49 with, with not really much happening for him, and he did pass the eye test again. Looked like he could have crashed over two or three times. If you own Hamwell, if you brought him in this week, I wouldn't be too discouraged by seeing that. Yeah, look, I, I like watching him play. My only issue is that we've got Curtis Sirenen around the corner. Now, as much as Olokowatu has played really well and deserves his spot in that side, he's been phenomenal. He's been really damaging, scoring lots of tries, doing a great job. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But Sirenen has been there for a long time. He's the, the known quantity and you know that he's going to get a role in that team somewhere. And I feel like Olakowatu is probably better suited to playing a middle role than Sirenen is. So yeah, I um I I I said the exact same thing as you, mate. And a lot of people push back and saying um, that Hamwall should be starting over Curtis here, and I don't <coughs> particularly agree. Um, I do I, I support everything you say. I think Hamwall's a bigger body, more mobile, can probably do better things in the middle than than Curtis here, and could. Um, yep. Jason Saab, it's just <laughs> it's either rocks or diamonds, and and I can't I can never let him go. He's always in my seventeen, just because you hold on for that moment, and this week wasn't it. Well, I'm a very happy seller before the first buy. <laughs> Thank goodness, because if he survived that first buy, I would have been in the same situation as you 
and held on and held on and been disappointed week after week. The problem, the problem is he's my fifth centre wing and AJ went down, so that means he's my fourth centre wing. And yeah, you, you just hope. I mean, I've I've posted the averages. He averages less than twenty without Turbo, and he averages over sixty five with him. And you play the numbers game, you take the chance. But yeah, unfortunately, this wasn't it. Uh, but I think that was because Turbo wasn't really firing. A lot of Turbo's points came from the one individual try that he had. So yeah, yeah. I mean for the for the Tigers. As a Tigers fan, there's very little to talk about here. Ken Mamalo got a double with a 76. Jacob Little looks very awkward in open space running. But yes. I'll let you talk about your man, Adam Dewey. Yeah, look, I, I feel like the Tigers' run home is better than most. And Adam Dewey's the centre of everything that the Tigers do good. If the Tigers pull off a good play, Adam Dewey's the man that's behind it. And not only that, he's the goal kicker for the team. So they're very, attacks- very good one in that too. Yeah, he's doing really well with it. So they're scoring a lot of points. So he's kicking a lot of goals. And generally, if they're scoring points, he's the one that's putting them on. So I felt like he was a really easy trade-in for me this week as a guy I could hold for the rest of the season and just run home with him. Even if you get stuck at fullback, then I don't feel like I'm going to be losing out too much having him there compared to a a Teddy. Like Dewey can pull out 140 just as well as Teddy can. We saw the number one side in the comp struggle against the Cowboys. We saw the number two side struggle also against the Queensland team. The Panthers getting up 18-12 to 12 over the Broncos. Brian Toto, sensational. We know when he gets a try, it's 85-plus with the base that he has. Viliami Kikiao, a guy that I've never been sold on for Supercoach. He's very, very matchup dependent. 73, but a uh, good performance from him. Uh, Stephen Crichton, 73. James Fisher-Harris, enormous with a 72. Pretty much all in base. They're going to miss him drastically, but they do get TPJ coming back in. Yep. Uh, and Dylan Edwards also with a 69. No real standouts here, but Brian Toto continues to do what he does best. Yeah, well, I don't know many teams that don't have Brian Toto in them. At the I moment, didn't for a so. week. <laughs> yes, well, that, that wasn't intentional, was it? <laughs> oh, I, I keep telling myself that to sleep at night, mate. <laughs> so, yeah, as much as it's good watching Toto get a big score. It, it it's not going to set you apart, is it? Yeah, it doesn't set you apart from anyone. That's just keeping up. So, yeah, as much as it's nice to watch him go over for a try, it, it doesn't get me as excited as watching someone like Dewey score a try who's got about... Yeah, more, more of that more of that pod play. Yeah, we scroll all the way down to the bottom of the score sheet. We see Tyron, uh, Tyron May. We see Jerome Luai get a 33. What's happened to Luai? Well, at the start of the year, it looked like Cleary and Luai were really balancing out their attack. So they were evenly spreading the use of the ball. And then it got to one point where Cleary just seemed to click and decided that he was the man and he was going to do it all. And he was playing both sides of the ruck and creating space on both sides. And Luai was just a fill-in in the middle. He was just a link man that wasn't getting the opportunities to do much creating. And now that Cleary's not there at all, and he's playing with Tyrone May, who is trying to play like Cleary and dominate the ball, which is stunting their attack a lot. Uh, it's not giving Luai a lot of opportunity. He really needs to take control of the whole side. The one thing, the one thing that I have noticed that, that is different in this Penrith side than, than other sides are. So, for example, you look at you look at South Sydney, obviously a, a peak side uh, for the left hand side attack. Their tries are either scored by Cody Walker hitting Dane Gagai as a crash ball or hitting a, a cutout to, to AJ. Like, they're pretty much the only two players. Yeah, and then with and this the sweep pe- to Latrell. Yeah, obviously Latrell to Latrell as well. With this Penrith side, I think they're using Matt Burton. They're using his playmaking skills to the detriment of Jerome Luai. Luai's giving early ball to Burton and pretty much just saying, you make the space for Brian Toto. <clears throat> I think that's yep. really hurting. Um, that's really hurting Jerome Luai because he's not putting Burton through those holes for big attacking chances. Yeah, that's a pretty fair assessment. I, I hadn't really looked at it like that, that they're using Burton almost as a an extra half sitting out wider, which he is. He He's playing like that, but he's also playing as a really good centre. He's pl- running really good lines and, and scoring a lot of tries himself as well. So, yeah, it's just a, a matter of there's so many good attacking options for the whole side that it's just got to spread out a little bit and Luai's suffering. I didn't, I, I didn't start with Luai. I started with Watson and Moylan. I decided to go cheap in the 5 eighths because I didn't really I did want too. to spend... I didn't want to spend the cash. And then um, I think uh, 
it may have been Watson, I want to say. He peaked. I think he was about 500k. And I think Luai had three scores of 80 and looked to be clicking with Cleary, as you said. And I brought Luai in about 660k. Yeah. He's worth he's worth less than 350 now. I mean, good price for next year if you want to go there, but it's, it's tough watching. Yeah, well, there was another point there where I think Cody Walker had his really bad score against Melbourne, which is right around when it looked like Luai was going to be the the gun 5-8 going forward. and I Yeah, he just he just burst onto the scene out of nowhere, Luai. Yeah. Not, not I, out of nowhere, because we saw what he did last year, but the talk all pre-season was, was do you go Munster or do you go Walker? And, yeah, and exactly. Mun- Munster had sort of consistent... Munster had an average of 80, didn't really dip below 65, didn't go above 100. So he was very, very consistent, whereas Walker would fluctuate. And then, yeah, as you said, it just seemed like Luai just put four or five scores on the bounce. And I remember Costa, Costa having him, and that, that propelled him up the, the leaderboard and... Um, yeah, everyone else jumped on and it's just gone downhill ever since. Yeah, exactly. And look, I, I was lucky that I held off doing that Cody Walker to Luai trade and Cody Walker's been pretty well killing it ever since. So that was one saving grace. But um, I've, I've had Schuster sitting there since his first game. As soon as he was named, I brought him in because I'd seen enough from him in the past knowing that he was a talented player and I enjoyed watching him and he was cheap and um, he's... Served me well while he's been playing. Missing the bye did hurt. I haven't got much right this year in terms of trades. Brought in a couple of duds and whatnot. But one thing I'll, I'll hang my hat on is I was a very, very loud advocate of bringing Pang Haas in early. Uh, the week before the bye round, when Lodge left, TPJ was suspended. A lot of people said, wait on Haas. I could get behind that. But I went early on him. I think he scored 92 or 93 that game. Backed up after the bye with an 85. And then again with 106 this week. Uh, yep. Payne Haas is simply brilliant when he is told to just go forward and then have no one else around him. This is what Tamola owners want him to be. Yeah, exactly. He's absolutely going beast mode. That's three weeks in a row with attacking stats and playing good minutes and dominating. And look, with their pack, they, they don't have much left. And I think even Flegler's going to be in trouble after his high shot this week. So there's going to be a, an even weaker pack. So he's probably going to be playing... 70 minutes plus so if you've got him you're absolutely stoked right now you've likely bought him at a near bottom dollar price and he's pumping out massive scores but then again if you're sitting there with a couple of front rowers that are doing decent it's still probably not worth the trade no that's that that's that's the thing i think i had someone go down i can't remember i may, may have had an injury or well, no, I think I signed for TPJ. After TPJ went down for three weeks, so I moved some jewels around and got and got Haas in for about four fifty. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. If your front rowers, are Christian Welch and another stock standard like sixty point sixty point average, like yeah, I don't think it's worth the trade considering how little people have um, four trades. There's a couple of outlier scores here: Jordan Ricky, uh, Kobe Hetherington, Thomas Flegler. There's not a whole lot else to talk about, but Payne Haas was the star of the show. Fast forward to preseason next year. We start with Payne Haas again. Starting with Payne Haas? Yeah. Uh, maybe, but not necessarily. It'll depend how they structure their team to start the year and prices and also depends on... Uh, we've obviously heard some rumours that there's going to be some big changes to the structure of Supercoach. So, yeah, look, I don't have Payne Haas penciled in as a, a must to start the year yet, but he... Definitely could be. Yeah, I think uh, I think the scoring needs to maybe be looked at as well. Like we we saw Teddy last year average what ninety two. I think he averaged ninety two, and people lost their mind about how good that was. And yeah, we see Turbo averaging what one hundred and thirty, Cleary averaging one hundred and twenty, and the front rowers and and like for example, this is a gripe that I've always had. Like don't get me wrong, I own AJ. It's fantastic to see him score a bunch of tries, get a lot of points. But Payne Haas can bust his ass for eighty minutes a game and get seventy five. AJ can do nothing for two players and get 70, you know? Yeah, I know. And it's annoying. It is. Like, it just doesn't reward picking up these prop forwards. Like, mate, you're, you're a fantasy player from, from many years. I've been a fantasy player for years on end. Like, we remember the days of, like, LaFranchi, Robbie Farah, Corey Parker, Paul Gallen. Um, like, these guys were the staples of Supercoach teams. Yeah, it, even more recently, looking at guys like Sergis and SBW. Uh, it's obviously like I, I love Supercoach. I'll always love it, but I do think we need to balance out the the field just a little bit. I mean, it's it's pretty taking these guys, especially with the rule changes as well. Like if teams are going to be putting up 30, 40 points a game, you've got to take the the ceiling. Like don't get me wrong, I understand people have to go with 
the high scoring players, but what reward is there for, uh, I guess, big minute forwards? Yeah, well, like you said, the attacking stats are all being heavily skewed at the moment towards them. And look, like I said, I think the, the rules are all going to get a bit of a shake up next year and there's going to be a, a few kind of ways to balance that out, I think. I, I don't have any actual idea of what they're going to do, but I, I feel that they'll try and balance that out a little bit and bring some of the base players back into the game a little bit. But then... A look, very... A very, very interesting off-season, I think. Um, mate, we talk about big minute forwards, and when Dave Defeat was named on the bench, I wasn't too concerned. I'll be honest, I, I wasn't worried. I thought it's just going to be a case of the Connor Watson syndrome, come on after 20 and just play the rest of the game, and he did, and it was phenomenal. Three yeah, updates, 109. Uh, this is the Fafita we know and love. <clears throat> yeah, it, he was named on the bench, and look, we, we all know that he was likely to come on after 25 minutes and play the rest of the game. And the reality of it is that he's only really active in about 30 minutes of an 80-minute game anyway. So he gets most of his points in a short little window and then maybe one other short little window. And the rest of the game is a passenger. So him starting off the bench doesn't impact him too much. It obviously limits his potential to go 150-plus. But he's just such a beast. And he looked right at home on that right side today, which was interesting. Hindsight is a very, very wonderful thing. But... I I was very, very vocal about not picking up Tino Fatasu in Malawi uh, all preseason. I was just like, oh, Melbourne system, don't buy into it, blah, blah, blah. And then I saw him tear it up in the, the final trial game. I was like, ah, oh, this is it. We're, we're getting Tino. And I he wish was I just stuck to my in that game. I wish I stuck to my guns and kept Fafita because that, that, that hurt. I, I, you, yeah, you remember that game. The trial game, he killed it. It was against the Warriors. I was like, sweet, yep. we're on here. He's just pushing up through the middle. This would be fantastic. Uh, but he's been a little bit of a flop this year, hasn't he? Considering the hype that he had. Oh, for sure. He's definitely been lower than what everyone was expecting from him. He's had those moments where he's pulled out some brilliant plays and that sort of thing. But in general, you would expect that most people would be disappointed if they were owners. Um, in terms of like draft teams or whatever, you would be have you would be having um, him sitting in the front row, not in the back row. So again, someone who's pumping out fifty to sixty, you're probably not too disappointed with, but. In terms of classic, you you want a, a bit more out of someone that you've paid good coin for. How happy would Greg Marzu owners be now? Seeing him come back and put out a 65. Greg Marzu was the guy that I remember we were hyping up about 2017, 2018. I remember every preseason podcast, every preseason team always had Greg yep. Marzu. And it never really materialized, but I'm so glad he's playing footy now. I'm not an owner. I wish I was, but um, for a guy that is so near and dear to Supercoach's hearts, it's very good to see him play good footy. Isn't it annoying that all of these rookie guys come in when it's not really helpful to buy them? Uh, mate, I'm, I'm, I am the number one ticket holder for the Dominic Young <laughs> fan club. But yeah. the problem is he, he wasn't relevant until like round 16 and by that stage it's too late. Yeah, 100%. And oh, it's, it's in tough. terms of Marju, everyone's been waiting years and years for him to come in. Everyone knows that he's a tackle buster. Everyone knows he's a try scorer. Everyone knows that he has a lot of base stats and... It's just been, I, I can't believe it's taken this long for him to actually get a run in first grade. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. Like I said, it's, it sucks that his price will probably be too inflated to, to grab next year. He'll be over like 350, 400K easily. Yeah, that's just sure. too much to be, to be picking up on him. I'd much rather look at someone like a Billy Smith um, for that sort of moderately experienced NRL player. But unfortunately yeah. for Marzu, yeah. Um, that injured speaking, score and his not having played seven games will be very handy for his price for next year. He'll be definitely priced around like the um, Charlie Staines mark. Hopefully he can perform better than Staines did to start next year. Hope, hopefully. Mate, we talk about fullbacks. You mentioned Charlie Staines there. Um, a guy that, when Turbo went down in the preseason, obviously very, very close to round one. He went down, was out for four weeks. I was very, very keen on AJ Brimson. Average 77 or something coming home last year when the Titans put on that massive spell. Oh, jeez. AJ Brimson's been underwhelming, hasn't he? I had AJ for the run home last year as my uh, reserve 5'8", and every single week it was a matter of do I pick him, do I not pick him, and I picked him every week, and he went really well every week, and I luckily didn't buy into that run home to start this year, so I managed to avoid him at the start, I did consider it, and I was very heavily considering him in 
a few of my draft picks as well, but managed to avoid I, that. I, as well. I dropped I dropped the thirteenth pick on AJ. Pardon, sorry. I dropped round two pick four, whatever it was, or round oh. round two pick five. Um, so yeah, the thirteenth overall pick I dropped on AJ. That hurts. Br- brutal. I mean, I managed to flip him for for a decent trade. I think I had. I put on the table Ryan Sutton, Mitch Moses, Tevita Pango Jr. and AJ Brimson. I got back Cleary, so that worked out well. But oh, yeah, wow. to, to to bomb your second round pick on AJ, and that, that was the point I wanted to make. Like he's just been not there and underwhelming, considering how highly hyped this Titan side was. Yeah, well, one of my drafts I had uh, Ponga and Appy as my one and two picks, so you can imagine where I'm sitting on that ladder. After his debut, uh, scored 89. We're talking about Matt Fiego here. He backed up with a 64. I can't pick the two apart between Matt and Max. There was a lot of talk all preseason about both these guys getting some game time, and it hasn't really materialised. They've sort of fluctuated in and out. Um, 64 from him, 64 from Matt Dufty, 60 from Jack DeBell. None of these guys are overly classic relevant. Um, but I guess the, the big classic relevant name here, Ben Hunt, scored a try with a line break, gets 48. You're not too happy about that, are you? Yeah, yeah if you owned Ben Hunt, you'd be disappointed only getting 48 with a try-line break. But, and particularly against the Gold Coast, whose defence is very leaky. I, I, would, I would look at them as one of the worst defence organisations in the comp at the moment. They've been that bad. And for Ben Hunt, who's the organiser to only get a 48 with a try, is definitely surprising. But, um, yeah, look, you'll take it. You'll take a 48 when you've been the, beaten the, 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 problem with, the, the problem that masks Ben Hunt is the fact that he is hooker eligible. We wouldn't be talking about him at all, would we, if he was just a strict halfback? No. Well, you've got... Obviously, there, there'll be people holding Cleary. You're going to have people with SJ. You're going to have people with Jerome Hughes. You're going to have people with Sam Walker. and Jump, jump on the DCA trainers now as well this week. And that's the the most popular trade-in next week at 770k will be DCE. Oh, look... Yeah, great run home, but I just I just can't unfortunately because I know how how reliant Turbo is on that team. So the problem miss, with DCE I'd, I'd miss, the next I'd miss week, Cherry is... Evans. But yeah, Hunt. If you didn't have the hook eligibility, you move on forty whatever it was with a, with a try line break is not great. We yeah. touch on yeah. we touch on front row forwards that have big upside. Uh, he was touted as the best front row in the world when he came over here. Didn't have a preseason. Uh-huh. Was very homesick during the middle of the COVID breach. We didn't see the best out of Luke Thompson. Oh, we saw the best. We saw the best out of him with no Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson came back into the side. His scores dipped to around 50, 55. I wasn't impressed. And then, uh, yeah, put on a masterclass today with 113. With, with a sin bin as well, mind you. I lost two head-to-heads by less than 20 points by people that owned Luke Thompson. <laughs> uh, I'm absolutely filthy that he's pulled out 113 with a sin bin. And 10 minutes of those... off the field as well. Like, it's just, yeah. Yeah, and both of those comps are cash comps and it's getting tight and nitty-gritty and then bang, Luke Thompson comes out and knocks out 113. That's, that's why we love Supercoach, mate, because he scores 50s for the last five weeks and then just pumps out this when you need him to do it the least. Um, I had a follower. I don't have his name on me, unfortunately. Shout out to you, though, if you are listening. He said, um, just sending you this message, mate, when Luke Thompson scores a double and gets 120. And I replied with, just sending you this, mate, when Luke Thompson gets 45 and your dreams are ruined. And when he got sent off, oh, when he got sinbinned, I was like, sweet. And then, uh, yeah, just uh, absolutely towed it up and put the Warriors, sorry, put the Bulldogs back into this game. They were down 30 to 6 at half time and they put on two pretty quick tries, three pretty quick tries, actually. And then um, the Sharks did run away with it in the end with Sean Johnson going down. That's something I want to touch on, mate. Yeah. Uh, a lot of teams are going to own SJ. A lot of teams are going to own AJ. A lot of teams are going to own Tohu. With very, very little trades up their sleeve, it's it's tough times. It is tough times, and it's one of those things where if you're considering trying to get Cleary back at some point, then you've probably got to hold SJ for a little bit and use potentially two trades just to generate cash to bump SJ up because it's just going down in price. Mate, I, I, when, when Cleary went down, I was... I was... I was, I was very, very firm on the trade train that if you trade Cleary out, you do not get him back in because it's going to cost you three trades. It's going yep. to cost you two to get the cash and one to, to sort of nuff someone out. Like, it's just... For for what the cash is, 1.1 million, it's just... A, it's such an exorbitant amount of money that I feel if you did pull the trigger to, to boost your team, you can't go Cleary again, in my opinion. The one saving grace is the fact that if he plays next week, it's against the Storm and he'll have a over 200 break even. So 
say he scores a 50, that's going to take 120k off his price, which will make him about 940. And then you'll have another massive break even the week after that, probably pushing 250 even. And then you're probably looking in the 800. So you're probably only going to need 450k to go from Johnson yeah, but to clear. We're, we're talking about round 22 here. And That's with the true. amount of injuries that people have, like surely like they just don't have the, the flexibility to get him back in. Well, this is not something that I can do with two trades left. It's <laughs> That's not going to happen. But if you're someone who's got five plus trades, then it's definitely something that you can think about. A lot of people uh, that follow me are quite new to Supercoach. Um, when I was pounding the Sivitalikai drum when he came back into the side, a lot of people messaged me being like, oh, what, what's the hype around this guy, blah, blah, blah. He's a dud. He's a, he's a flop. Whatever, but this, this is, is the Talakai that we know and love. The the big ball running, hole hitting, just beast of a man. Yeah, yeah. He had a big game. Eight tackle busts, line break try, offload, uh, eighteen hit ups. He was in beast mode today. It's very different to the twenty five points a game that we saw from him playing through the middle uh, when he was back into the side. Look, he is a spot defender. Um, he did concede a try today as well. Like he. Defense isn't his strong point. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. for the for the for the attacking upside that he possesses, um, I really like him. The Sharks have an okay run home. Unfortunately, though, Sean Johnson, no Sean Johnson. Like that's a big negative. Um, if you don't own him, don't get him back in, obviously. But if you do own him, I would hold tight on on Talakai. Uh, yeah. yeah, well, you'll get a few price rises out of him now, anyway. And look, the reality is that he got that spot because Teague Wilton did his hamstring at training throughout the week. Yeah, two so, to four weeks for T. Wilton as well. So that's that's a you're going to have a couple of weeks where he's likely to be playing that edge role, and they've got a decent run going forward. So yeah, if you've got him, you're definitely not trading him out. They've got Manly next week, which is going to be a tough game. So you likely bench him ne- next week. But then you've got the Warriors, who are just decimated at the moment, uh, followed by Knights, Tigers, Broncos. Um, before uh, not a bad little run home yeah. if you ask for Talakai, mate. Um, yeah. We've been going for nearly fifty minutes now, so. I will, uh, I will let you head back to your humble abode. I thank you very much for coming on, wrapping up the round. It was a pretty big round, a lot of stuff happening. And I think a lot of teams will be scratching their heads uh, come lockout what to do with the, the very minimal trades they have. Yeah, 100%. The big advice is if you can save a trade, save a trade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 